Hey everyone, and welcome to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Twin Peaks The Return, Part 15. Full spoilers for the episode, as always. Uh, apologies, this one's a little bit later than usual. Um, Connor fell asleep, so blame blame him. I had a bad headache and and didn't mean to fall asleep from it, but there we go. Yeah, yeah, so he, he's why we're a bit late. But... Uh, we're here now. Uh, I got all my notes and all the stuff. Uh, we got some interesting stuff to talk about. Um, I actually did not check to see if there was any good or interesting stuff brought up in the comments from last episode to to bring up, and there probably is. I apologise. Shame uh, on you. I usually do that before we start. Um, but uh, obviously, last week was a great episode. How's this one holding up next to it? How's fifteen comparing? Well, I guess we'll find out. We'll work our way through it, and we'll we'll see what we can do. So. Yes, get into it. Uh, so we start with well, there's some tree shots first, but we we basically start with uh, Nadine marching down the road with her gold shovel. Yes. Over the shoulder, she's she's excited about what she's doing. She's 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 ready to really shovel herself out of the ship. She's on a mission. She's on a mission, and you're like, okay, where's she going? This this gold shovel business is going somewhere. What's it leading to? And she storms right into Ed's gas farm. And goes up to Ed, and he's like, "Oh, Diddy, what are you doing here? Where's your car?" It's like I walked. You walked, and we don't know how far he lives from the house, but his expression here would indicate that it's longer than what you. Yeah, because we we have that like while she's walking, it kind of montages to show that you know like how far she's walking. It's and not it, just down the street, and even just the the, the road itself. It's like uh, it's just a big long road with nothing but forest next to it. it just it feels like it. You know, it's out of the way isn't for a while, it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so no, so she, she's walked all this way, and the scene basically amounts to her saying, "You're like Ed. I was jealous. I could tell you love someone else, and I, I, I kept you sort of locked in. I kept you from being free." Yeah, she says she was a selfish bitch. That wasn't the exact phrasing. No, it is. It says, "I've been a selfish bitch." Was she a bitch? I don't remember. She did. Bitch. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. You, you, you noting down more dialogue than me. Uh, but yeah, so she, she says she's selfish, and she wants to give him his freedom, and. Ed, and again, showing that Ed's a good guy because he has stuck with her all this time. He he, you know, put aside his his love for Norma, stayed with Nadine, you know, and that's kind of where we ended the original series on. And he hears like, look, are you are you sure what you're saying here? Because tomorrow you might regret everything you're saying right now. He's he's again, he's been very understanding of her feelings that mm. she might regret this tomorrow. Uh, and I actually really liked her, her response where, like, I had, I walked here, I had a long time to rethink this and turn back, but I didn't. Yeah. I'm here. Uh, and I almost think there's a little bit of metaconjury here from Lynch saying, no, no, I thought about what we want to do with this new season, and I had, I had time to reconsider, I had time to turn back, 25 years in fact, and this is what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, but, so, she hugs him and... It's, it's, uh, so that's a nice and it, it cuts actually straight to the, the diner the double R and this love music's kicking in and like the car pulls up and he comes and he looks so he's so excited like, he is he's, he's basically bouncing his way in in fact talking about his acting actually just to go back to the, the previous scene uh, after she walks away she like you know Nadine takes a shovel and she walks off in fact one of my favourite little moments was uh, when he's like what are you doing what's the shovel for as for the shovel I'm digging myself out of the shit I'm like, oh, okay. It, it almost sounds like, uh, like you know, when someone's in therapy and they they have to go make amends with everyone that they're trying to, like, you know, like tell yeah. everyone they're sorry for whatever they did, that kind of thing. It kind of feels like you know she's taking the shoveling out of your out of the shit 
is is kind of that. She's going around and making sure she's you know on good terms right. with everyone. I like that he's like, oh my god, you're listening to Jacoby again. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, and the smile on her face as she goes, I sure have. Uh, <laughs> did crack me up. But so so the love music's playing and uh, or actually no, I was going to say at the end of the oh, scene. He's acting. Yeah. 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 He's acting when she walks away. He just he stands. It's like it's like it hits him that he's finally free and he can actually go and do this. He can go and actually just say to like Norma, we can do yeah, this yeah. now. And he, he, he almost looks concerned for a moment, where he's like, "Should I do this?" Yeah, he's, you know, he looks he's quivering a little bit. It's almost like I don't think a tear quite forms, but it feels like one might. Or yeah, you know, like it. It's, it's a good little moment. But love music's playing. He's coming in, he's all, he's, he's jolly, he's positively skipping into the restaurant. And even his wave, when he comes in, he's like waving up to the back where Norma is. He's like, yeah, yeah. oh, she's not even sitting in our, our, our numbers chair. I can swoop in right now, it's a good time. Uh, and he's like, she's giving me my freedom. And of course, you know, Walter walks on from behind. You just see him coming in and he's like, yeah. oh, God damn it. And you feel so bad for him. Uh, and... She doesn't even say anything about what he just said. She said, oh, it's not a good time. What is there? So, I mean, it can be taken multiple ways. And obviously, there's a little bit of uh, them, tr- not tricking the audience, but playing a little kind of like, bit with her, you know, just playing a lot with her hearts because, he's, you know, what, as they're sitting down, what's, oh, did you get my flowers? And she's like, yes. And it's like, it's implying there might, again, there might be a couple thing going on here that they might be in a relationship. Right. And, and you can see Ed's here and he sits down, he, he goes, you know, Shelley comes over and says, what do you want? Like, a cup of coffee. And she walks away and he goes, and a cyanide tablet. That line did make me laugh, and I still felt bad for him. Yeah, and my heart was yeah. breaking for poor Ed. He, he, one of my notes is literally just heartbreak. He, he, he's been waiting for twenty-five. You know what? I mean, as much as Nadine's doing the right thing now, she kept him locked in a marriage he didn't really want to be in because he's a good guy and didn't want to do the wrong thing for twenty-five years. It's a long time. I mean, I, I think at one point he says something about spending the rest of their lives together, and I'm like. You just robbed him of 25 years. Like, how much does he have left, really? Like, you know, in the grand scheme of things. It's <laughs> a fair point. It, I mean, it's basically, it's like compare it to a prison sentence. Like, you've lost 25 years of your life. Like, you just, you know, he's... Da, 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 mm. anyway. uh, so, again, we get back to some meta-commentary, because, you know, we, we, we have, we're with Norma, we're with, you know, with uh, Walter, and she's basically exercising her right to sell... Or letting him buy her out of of the chain of the franchises, uh, with the exception of this single diner that's still hers, he gets the rest of them. Soon to be seven, as he points out, and he doesn't understand. It's like that's going to be a great success. Like, what, why are you doing this? And she's like, oh, it's for family, um, and I want to take care of them. And again, I thought Meta Country was pretty simple. It's almost like Lynch is saying, "Yeah, I've not made any movies or TV shows in a long time because I didn't want to turn into what the current mainstream wanted. I didn't want to just make." Yeah. Uh, stuff and even the word franchise. I mean, what are a lot of movies now? They're part of franchises. Uh, it's almost like I'm saying, no, I want to stay true to myself and just have this one thing that's mine and truly mine. Uh, mm. So I, I like this well because you know what was like. But you said you didn't have any family. She's like, no, no, I do. I want to look after them. And I, I don't know if this was just the idea that Walter just doesn't listen to her, or if it's just more, you know, like all these people are the family. You know, the, all the people who come into the, the double R. I actually, uh, I, maybe, maybe I'm not sure if I still think this, but the first, when she first said it, my, my my instinct was to think that she she means Shelley, Becky, and I right, guess right. I was and, thinking, you know, like yeah. all these people in in the double R that are kind yeah. of a, like an adoptive family. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and it, it's funny because it, it cuts back to Ed a couple of times during this, and every time it cuts back to him, the love music kicks in again. Then it goes back to them, it fades out, and then it cuts back to him, and the music comes back in, and we see 
like we don't actually even see Walter leave in the background of the shot. We just eventually see her hand come in on his shoulder, and it's like, oh no, oh yes, the heart breaks yeah. over, um, and he just asks her to marry her, and it's this really sweet moment. And Shelley even witnesses it and is all happy as well, smiling. And you know, maybe, maybe if Norma can finally get over this picking the wrong guy syndrome, you know, because you know, remember her yeah. ex and all, all yeah. that shenanigans. Maybe, maybe Shelley can do the same thing eventually. Uh, maybe Becky can do the same thing eventually. It's breaking the cycle. But breaking the, the cycle. Yeah. So very sweet. And I was a little bit worried though in this scene, not because not for these characters. I thought, oh, this is really sweet, but. If they're giving us this, like, you know, concentrated dose of sugar up front, I'm mm-hmm. like, what's the rest of this episode going to yeah. be? Yeah, I felt like I was like, this... Like, you know, when it was, like, the, the, when we thought it was going to be heartbreak and stuff, it was like, yeah, this feels like what I expect. Yeah, yeah, this feels like, you know, this is par for the course. I expect to be miserable. That's, that's, yeah. what, that's what lunch does to me. <laughs> in, a good, in a very good way, but miserable, right. all the same. But, uh, no, very sweet. And you have that, that, then it goes into that beautiful transitionary shot of just the clouds. You still got the love music playing. Yeah, yeah. But you've just got the cl- like the clouds. It just goes on for a while. That shot. Yeah, yeah. It's we keep returning to these these trees and the clouds over Twin Peaks quite a lot this episode. We uh, do. But here, then it cuts. It may fade to black first. I, I, I don't know if I if I, uh, I remember that correctly, but it it either cuts her face to black and then goes into immediately this black and white footage of the power cables and it's really stuttery and moving across and it's this, you know, harsh stuttering and I'm like, oh great. I, I use the word scratchy this time as well. Scratchy, yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, right. Happiness out of the way. Time time for the, the darkness. That's basically yep. what I thought. And then the next thing you see, and again, I, I don't know what it is, but Lynch knows how to shoot uh, like the point of view shot of a car on a, on a nighttime road. Like, it's it just does, so... It's so ominous, and as it's cutting, it, it stays on it for a good long time as well, and then it eventually shows you Doppelkupe in the truck, and as it's cutting between them, the music starts to get a bit ominous. It actually starts to creep in, and of course, this is where things are about to get very interested in mythology based. So there's a woodsman on the road, and Doppelkupe pulls over, and oh shit, it's the convenience store. Yes. The, the convenience store. And of course, I'm like, wait, is he in like will they blow up the nuke or is a convenience store something that moves no of course we have the answer to that by the end of the scene uh, but so so he gets out the, the woodsman leads him up the, the side stairs but as they go up the stairs because there's, there's no actual thing above the convenience store which is actually this really interesting little tidbit here uh, mm. it's, it's, there's just, it's just you know the stairs go up to nothing but as they go up the stairs they flicker they flicker out of existence do you know what I always thought was really interesting every other time this this season where we've seen people flicker and vanish, which has mm. been you know a good handful of times, they've just done it. Whereas here there was an actual electrical crackling noise when they vanished. Mm. Whereas we've not heard that before. Before it's always just been they just go. I, th- I think this is, this is the maybe not the episode of the Black Lodge. In fact, I think this is the, uh, this at, is the at, entrance. At, at least the the final place he goes to here. Uh, I think that's the Dutchman's because he, he remember he said that in the last not well, the last episode but when he when he was interrogating yeah uh, uh, Ray on the on the floor. And he, do you think like, do you think the the specific place that he goes to the Dutchman's or just this is the entrance way to the Dutchman's like the whole thing is that? Oh, it is the Dutchman's. The Dutchman's yeah. is the entrance way to the the large stuff. Right. Either way, it's outside of reality. It's definitely oh, somewhere absolutely. else because. As soon as he goes in, it like it fades to this shot of the forest and it's going through the trees. And then in a couple of minutes as well, when they're walking down this long hallway, 
it keeps fading in and out of these trees, like the camera flying through these yeah, trees. And it's like almost superimposed over the top of them. And it's almost like showing you that in real space, this is where this is, but they're in a different yeah. dimension. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Because yeah. you can, like, outside of the convenience store, like in, in the real world, you can see the forest and, and the trees behind it. So it kind of feels like, and when they're moving in that direction, it's like, yeah, they're going kind of deeper in. Now, of course, it's relevant here that the wallpaper and stuff is the same wallpaper from the dream that Laura had in Firewalk With Me. It's also relevant to say that that was the wallpaper we got a small glimpse of when Gordon looked up at the, you know, into the vortex and he saw the, the, the woodsman on the stairs. And we see that exact spot, actually. It's at the end of this hallway where we see these stairs going up. And again, the wall going up the stairs is blank and it wasn't that, that same, you know, in episode, was it 11 as well? Yeah. But the, uh, the wallpaper at the top, it's the same stairway. Uh, oh, that's not a gloss over the fact that before they go through that, down that hallway up those stairs, is he, want, he says he wants to see Philip Jeffries. Yes. And there's a woodsman sitting next to this mechanical... It almost looks like a TV with the, the screen taken out, like an old TV. Yeah. You know, like the old ones you'd actually put in the floor, kind of right. style, really old school. Like the kind of ones that might have existed when the first nuclear bomb went mm. off. Mm. Uh, but, you know, and he says, oh, I see Philip Jeffries, and he winds it up in, you know, crackling, electricity, noises, all this kind of stuff. And, and you get, like, these these flashes, this almost vision. Oh, I'm, I'm, going, to talk about the, I'm going to talk about the flashes. Uh, but the one final point I want to point out about the woodsman sitting there, though, is that that's actually the same woodsman you see in Firewalk With Me that was played by Jürgen Prock. Now, he was sitting next to that same device. Interesting. And in, in that, like, one scene we saw them in, like, in, yeah. in the apartment, they called it above the convenience store. Although I'm starting to think apartment's a bit of a loose term for it's, this. It's really underselling it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's talk about that flash. Because, uh, my, 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 my. Um, so, we see, I believe, for the first time in the season, the jumping man in mm. this flash. And if you, if you forget what the jumping man is, he is the character who we first seen in Firewall with me, uh, who wore a white mask with a long pointy nose, and he had a red suit on, if I remember correctly. Um, very creepy, very distinct visually, uh, and this is the first time we see him here, which maybe it's like, okay, is, is he some sort of gatekeeper? The, even someone like Doppelkoop, who has connections to the Lodge world and the Dutchman's... It's almost like he's got to give them permission to pass. It's like yeah. a, a checking that who they say they are, almost. But did you notice something... Now, I, I can't take credit for this, what I'm about to tell you, but did you notice anything else in that flash? I didn't, I'll be honest, because it was going very quickly, and it you know, like, it was no, very dark and then bright for what you saw. Now, funnily enough, um, I saw this bit of information before my second watch, and on the second watch I was kind of looking, just to see if you could notice it as you were watching it. And you can't, in, in real speed. And you can't quite, you, you notice there's something else there, which is why someone's went and paused it and went frame by frame to catch it. Yeah. So you can notice something's flashing in there, but you can't quite make right, it Right, that's out. what I'm saying, because it's, it's dark and there's just flashes. I wasn't really sure what it, some of those. At one point over the, the face, the white mask face of the jumpy man, the face of Sarah Palmer is like imposed over it. Well, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Because we were thinking either Babylon's insider or whatever the, the cockroach thing grew up to be. Uh, and makes me think, but is that also, does that relate to the Jumping Man? Is it the Jumping Man? Yeah. Because the thing inside Sarah Palmer did remove a mask. Yes. So if it's the Jumping Man or someone like the Jumping Man insider, then and they also wear a mask, that would maybe explain well, why. That, that's, that's a fair point. I didn't consider that. But uh, interesting, of course, though. Oh, absolutely. Face of Sarah Palmer on the Jumping Man. So, 
yeah, so like I say, I go down this long hall, it fades between that and Shots of the Woods. Um, same stairs as before. Uh, and we see this motel, and again, something else I saw online actually, is this motel is apparently the same motel, also from Firewalk With Me. Do you remember, uh, it's where Leland Palmer's with, he almost like runs into Laura, because he's, he's yeah. got two prostitutes in the room, and he sees one of them's Laura. Yeah. It's that same motel. They seem interesting. To I thought it was really interesting. Just the way you know where he goes up the stairs and out the door, and it looks like he's just going through another doorway because it doesn't look like a yeah. door to outside. And then he's in this courtyard. Very surreal, very dreamlike. That's a big thing in dreams. At least I think I think most people experience this. That you often go through a door and it'll take you to somewhere that's not connected to what you were previously in. Right, right. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because, like, I don't know if. This is the thing specifically that I think is the Dutchman's. I don't think the rooms that he went through was the Dutchman. I think this place that he goes through at the end, like when he goes to this motel, essentially. Right, okay. I think that's the Dutchman. And this is the entranceway to the Dutchman's, so to speak. Yeah, arguably I think it's the entranceway to a lot of things. I wonder, like, when he winds the TV thing up, like, does that like pick where that door's going to go? Could be, or, does he go, or is there other doors that he can go through? Because we don't really see much up the stairs because of the way the shot's hiding it. Oh yeah, sure. Sure. So it could go further down. There could be you know, other doors to other places. Yeah, a lot, a lot of speculation. There's, no, there's nothing we can really sort of no. nail down. Uh, so he walks up to a door. There's, there's the odd woodsman kicking around, but of course, when he gets close to the door, a woman uh, kind of comes up, and in the uh, you know the the lodge speak voice. Sound lodge effect, speak is actually how I've wrote in my yeah. notes. That's, that's how uh, I refer to it. Says she'll open the door for him. Yeah. So she'll unlock the door for him. Which I thought was interesting. Just that's not nice, fair. That's more specific. That's good. Yeah, because obviously she kind of she pulls out the key and unlocks it. She unlocks the door for him. And also, obviously... point out this is room number eight. Room number eight, which does actually come up later in the episode. That number, right? Which is why I, which is why I put it out. Um. So obviously we're like, okay, we've never seen a female woodsman or woodswoman, I suppose. But she's not. She, she wasn't. You know, charcoal. She wasn't. She burned. didn't look like one of them. No. Like the others. No. So she's something else, and we've not really seen her before. At least I don't think we have. Interesting. Have, I don't think we've seen any of the woodsmen really speak much. Do they have the backwards speak? Have we seen them speak at all? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but like, was it backwards speak? Oh no, because that was in the real world. So he was speaking right. normally. Yeah. So do, is do, do they? do backwards speak at all or is it just something that they do while they're there like in in the in the other places um i can't remember but see when the giant appeared in the real world to cooper did he have the backwards speak or did he have regular speak hmm i think he had regular but my memory might be playing tricks on me yeah I'm which would imply that they only have that speak when they're inside the lodge worlds whatever right. they may be yeah um well, outside of that one woodsman though in episode 8 I don't think we have heard them speak yeah not much at all uh, but yeah so so he goes in and obviously I'm like who's this woman this is a new entity and you know we're quite late in the game now I'm like we're interested in new entities who is this new entity um, but it goes inside the, the room so, he, so, so he's looking at the wall and it kind of fades away uh, again it's, it's like it's like two realities are kind of flickering between them it's like it's revealing a hidden place yeah. And he it reveals at first what I thought looked a lot like those bell shaped things in the the White Lodge. Yeah, I can see it. Right, but it's got a spout. That, that was it has, a key absolutely. difference. Absolutely, and there's smoke coming out of it. Yeah, smoke, steam, whatever, depending on 
what's in it? And uh, it looks like behind where the steam's coming out, there's a moon. It, you know, it had like a moon look to it. It was like a white circle. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. It almost looked like that was part of the machine, like it was capturing the smoke, because the smoke never really seemed to leave that circle. Yeah, maybe. I thought it would come in, but I, I mean, that's... Yeah. That's fair. Uh, so, right, new page. So, the Steve's leaving this, this machine, this con- contraption, and obviously at this point I'm thinking, right, okay, whoa, right. Because obviously, has, that was the other thing I haven't really pointed out, is that, so he says he's there to see Philip Jeffries, and the whole, so this long walk happens down the hall and up the stairs and through this, and it's also very slow pace, very methodical like Lynch is. And the whole time I'm thinking, have they actually got David Bowie at the end of this <laughs> the end of this scene? Like, are we building to a cameo that they shot before he died? And I'm like, nah, they can't be. Now, of course, the fact that we get this contraption and we get a voice who is someone else doing doing the voice that he used in Firewall with me, which is fair enough. It's a, it's a good voice impression. Uh, it's funny that the the arm has become like this tree thing and then, you know, Jeffries has become this big tea kettle looking thing. Um, I can't I can't wait for like, I don't know, who else is missing? <laughs> who that we can bring back as an object of some kind? Yeah. Who Briggs. Briggs, yeah. Briggs will be a giant, like, a Navy medal or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so obviously this gets a very interesting conversation. He he questions if he's the one trying to kill him. Uh, and Jeffries does say that he called Ray, but he never actually says that he... Uh, he, he, he actually almost sounds confused, because Cooper asks him, why did you send Ray to kill me? And he says, what? I called Ray. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound like he did send them to kill him. It sounds like, yeah, I was in touch with them, but... Yeah, and then, and then of course, he follows it up with, did you call me, I think he said, five days ago. Which would have been episode two, so that shows you how much time has passed in Doppelkoop's... Yeah, and, <laughs> in Doppelkoop's In Doppelkoop's story, not the whole thing, just in yes, Doppelkoop's we'll story. Yeah, there's more more on the uh, the timey-wimey nonsense later. Yeah, he responds to that with, I don't have your number. Which you know, <laughs> interesting that this 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 uh, yeah. being who seems to now be like celestial or something like that uh, doesn't have his number. So this is a, this is very interesting. So so Jeffrey's asked Doppelcoop, "You are Cooper," and what I loved about this moment is that the camera like it's all wide at this point, and then it goes into a close up of Doppelcoop, and he doesn't say anything to respond to it. He just kind of goes into his next question after a few seconds. But there's a good you know five seconds of silence of him just kind of with almost with his like his his uh, poker face on. It was more intentionally. I mean, Jeffries is intentionally kind of cryptic. Like everything he says yeah. is cryptic as hell. Uh, it is. Whereas Doppelcoop isn't. It's just that one thing he decides that he he, he doesn't answer. He's not got time to like mess around with yeah. Yeah. stupid well, questions. It, it's kind of how I read it. Um, but of course, he says uh, he asks about Judy. Well, he says that you know. Um, I guess Jeffries just says we spoke. I spoke to you once before, and that's when we get. So the he little, says, "Yeah, we used to talk." Yeah. We get that little flashback of Firewalk with me, and it, you know, it specifically shows us the line about Judy. We're not going to talk about Judy, so Doppelcoop asks about Judy. He yeah, gives... that, that was that was how he confirms that he's Cooper, though, because you know uh, he goes, yeah, 1989, FBI headquarters. You, you said you'd met Judy, and and Jeffries replies, he goes, so you are Cooper. Yeah, yeah. It's so... like it's passing a test. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like passing a test. Mm. Yeah. It's well, like it's like how, you couldn't know that unless you were Cooper. But he so yeah so he asked him about ask him about Judy. He's like, he wants to he wants to speak to Judy and Jeffries gives him a number, 
right? He sort of spouts out in the in the steam. There's like numbers appear. He also says you've already met Judy. Yeah, there was a few things there because he was like, you know, d- does Cooper's asking you know, why do you want to talk to Judy? Has she done something to me? Or, uh, and and she says, why don't you ask her yourself? It's all it's and, and you know he says why why write down for you is when the numbers appear. So it's like this is maybe coordinates. Could, yeah, it could be a coordinates. Because oh. I, I only got five numbers. I missed a... So, I'm not I, I, sure. I don't think they were intentionally shown as all the numbers, though. I, th- I feel like there's more... Because we, the, we saw the first few, and then it kind of cut away, and we just saw Cooper writing it down. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think... Because I, I took it... Because we were talking about a phone number before, I, I took it as phone number at first, but it could be coordinates. That makes a, a lot of sense, given you know what's been on this season with all these locations. It makes a lot of sense, right. these coordinates. Uh, especially since a lot of like talking to lodge related people, it involves going to places like this and like. I, I actually access. think it's it's interesting to use coordinates for the lodge. The idea that you know they, it moves around, it doesn't have these physical tethers, so it uses coordinates. To go that is a specific place. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean it's always at that specific place. No, 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 of course not. But I'm just saying, you know, like it it can point with certainty. You know, if you, if you say, if they say, oh, go to the convenience store. Then obviously it's like, well, okay, that could be anywhere, but here's coordinates. Go there. It's very specific. The reason why I say like things moving around, like I, it, I've got a feeling it might be related to, uh, say, you know, like where Earth is at any given point, where other planets are. If there's a character later on who specifically points out they can see Mars in the sky. Mm. And it's certainly not the first time I've had this kind of brought into it. We've heard, you know, back in the original series, whenever Briggs was talking about things being in alignment, um, I think, you know, when the Lodge was going to open, it was when, like, Jupiter and Saturn were it was, yeah. aligned and things like that. So so we've heard these ideas before. So I, I do think a lot of the placements of these things might change based on, or might, or might not, not change, but they'll just be, maybe they always go back to the same spots, but they're only at certain, like, say, like, say the entrance to a, a Lodge is, like, at 10 places. And it'll cycle through those ten, depending on what's aligned where. And yeah, that yeah. kind of I idea. Can see it. Uh, so, I, so I could see, I could see that being a thing. But yeah, so, but yeah, you've already met Judy. To at which point, Doppelcoop questions that. He's like, "What? Who's Judy?" Yeah, you know, he's like, he, he gets quite agitated. He goes, "Oh, what do you mean?" And then you know, the phone starts ringing. He's like, "Who is Judy?" And he he kind of repeats that a couple of times. Yeah, and then the phone, of course, is to kick him out. So the, the phone's kind of like this conversation's done, and it makes me. It's interesting, I think, because Doppelcoop is finally not completely in the know about something. Like, there's something that's mysterious to him now. Because up until now, he's been very on top of everything that he's doing. Like he seems to know, you know, he's what's happening. Control. Yeah, yeah. He knows that he was meant to go back into the lodge at the start of the show, you know, start of the season, and he, he avoided it. He, he's, he's known a lot of stuff. He knows a lot about all these things that are going on. But even he doesn't know about Judy. He doesn't understand who Judy is, or if he has met her, where he met her. What does right. it mean? Which almost makes me think that, I mean, I mean, obviously, Philip Jeffries has ascended. It's almost like, I imagine whatever's happened to Philip Jeffries here is kind of what happened to Major Briggs. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the exact thing where he's become this device, but the idea that he is now a spirit of the Lodge and he's in there outside of time. Yeah, I'm wondering, is it, is it he, when he, you know, he says you've already met her, is he just kind of mixing up time? Or alternatively, if he does think this is, you know, regular Cooper, because he kind of had that confirmation when he passed the test. Does he know Cooper was in the lodge? And he's like, oh, you met her in the lodge? And But this, this doppelcooper who's, who was out for that 25 years didn't. Are you going back to that theory that Nado was Judy? 
Yeah. Maybe. It could mean that. It could be someone that Cooper met before. You know, he even went to Twin Peaks. It could be someone that Doppelcoop has met. Like, maybe... It could be. It could be that he's just not remembering it. I mean, we've seen this multiple times. People not remembering things until they need to. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not taking it as that, though. I'm taking it as he's met Judy. He just didn't know it was Judy. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. I, I, think, I think the point here... Because I feel like this is a very intentional thing for the audience where it's like, okay... Because I am convinced that we as the audience have also met Judy. Yeah, quite possibly. I feel like it's almost dead certain. I feel like, especially this late in game, to introduce that element to say, Judy's someone we already know. Part of me thinks that, again, very timey-wimey things into it, I feel like whatever Judy is, is some either, either a person who's going to help stop Bob, or someone who's like a weapon against Bob. Mm, okay. Because it's just this idea that Jeffrey's, you know, stormed into the FBI office 25 years ago and, like, made a point of bringing it up. And obviously seen that he, like, disappeared. It was like he was, like, flickering out of time himself, like, during that time. I feel like she she's important. I mean, she's important in some way, like, but... I, yeah. I think, I think that's why... I, I think it's someone who's met help Cooper. The okay. real Cooper. Interesting. But I don't know. I, I'm mostly getting this just on like a, a feeling more than anything else, based on how how they've presented. Yeah, there's it. not a lot to go with, is there? Yeah. So so that's 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 where I'm on that. Yeah. So then obviously he picks up the phone and and he's outside. Yeah, he's outside at the the, the payphone. Is, is where yeah. he appears, and you know, but obviously a bit of a flicker, a bit of electrical flicker and stuff. Yeah, and it's he, quite quick compared yeah. to normal. But again, it's this idea of going through power lines and things like that, and. All these stuff, and of course, phone lines themselves have some power going through them, so it's the same idea. Um, but of course, this is where things get really interesting because Richard is standing there with a gun. Yep. He's pointing at a doppelcoop. You know, he brings up some interesting facts. He he's like, "I know who you are. You're in the FBI." And of course, I'm thinking, "Why does it? Oh, we know why he knows this probably." And it, it gets confirmed. He actually, this is the first real. I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of hints, but this is the first absolute hundred percent confirmation beyond a shadow of a doubt that his mother is Audrey because he says yeah. it. Yeah, um, yeah, we, we, we've kind of just been assuming and taking it as granted. You know, we've not really been questioning it for a long time now. Yeah, uh, but it was exciting all the same because as soon as he said that he's seen his picture, you're the FBI. I'm like, because Audrey's got a picture of him, <laughs> probably from when he was in Twin Peaks. <laughs> oh yeah, of course she does. Um, so you know, very exciting, and it's like, okay, is he hunting him down? Because he maybe he knows what Doppelcoop did to her, and he wanted to come hunt down Doppelcoop. Maybe. See, I wasn't. I wasn't reading that. I was more reading it as in, he, you know, he was trying to protect the gang that he's part of. Like the idea that he's like, no, this guy's FBI. He thinks he's undercover, so he's like taking him out. Oh, really? I know. I think he knows it's his father, and he's came okay. looking for him. All right. That's why he specifically mentions his mother. He makes a point of bringing like that information into it. No, that's fair. So I, I think it's personal. I think he wants to find out. I mean, even if it's not his father, and I, I think it is though, but he, I think that's why he wants to find him. I think that's why. Okay, that uh, makes sense. Uh, so, so yeah, so so Doppelcoop basically whips the shit out of him. I love how really he can't, he just spits on the floor, and then obviously Richard turns around, like watches it. It's like, what are you doing? And then as he turns his head, it's like bang, straight in, gun's yeah. gone. Yeah, he just he just puts him down. Very very quick, very efficient. And it's like, no, you little shit, you'll you'll learn from the best. 
Uh, and he tells him in the truck, so it's not like he even wants rid of him or he's going to kill him. He's like, no, get in the truck. I'll he says, we'll, we'll talk. Yeah. yeah. He actually wants to have the conversation, which again, maybe implies that he knows that it's his son, which, I mean, I, I don't I imagine he's going to be a good father, but like, at least he wants to impart the, the knowledge to him. Yeah. So, yeah. so there, there we go. Um, and now, of course, here's where things uh, get a little bit meaty in terms of our timeline shenanigans. Oh, uh, this is this is interesting. So, Doppelkut pulls out his phone and texts a number with the phrase Las Vegas question mark. And, of course, we saw Diane receive that text about three or four, four episodes ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And I, I think for me, I mean... Out of order is another thing, although some things do seem to be out of order, but certainly this proves all the different sort of plot threads are all moving at different speeds. They're all... They're all... Un- unequivocally. Yeah. This this is... As far as I'm concerned, this is outright confirmation. Oh, it's like confirmation, it, yeah. It, it, it doesn't answer some of the questions, you know, like that, the, the Cooper stuff being out of order, you know, the Dougie Cooper stuff being out of order. Yeah, it doesn't prove anything's out of order, although a couple of things feel like they are. But this proves unequivocally that, like... As soon this, as... at the very least, this is happening at a separate pace to the Gordon and Diane stuff. It, well, no, it wasn't necessarily at the start though, because he actually right. he actually crossed over with some of that stuff to set up that plot. Like he he went and killed the uh, the, the wife. Right, right, but that doesn't mean right now they are at different points. Yeah, like uh, undeniably. So, and honestly, I don't think it's that confusing. Like I, I think people might make a bigger deal out of this. I think this is just a simple case of no, no. This scene's here to show you this took place. At the same time as that, which is actually this reinforces the idea that the guy who you know almost run over that that randomer uh, was Doppelkoop. Yeah, because we're we're showing here that this is actually further back in the timeline. Right. So he probably is in Twin Peaks, in you know, present day Twin right. Peaks. Right. It, 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 and it sets up the idea that okay, so if this is you know in that part of the timeline, the Twin Peaks stuff doesn't necessarily need to be happening at the same time as you know the the FBI stuff. Absolutely. These can all yeah. be. That, that's that's what this is doing. It's just going. It's just making it clear that, hey, this isn't all happening at once, even though they've crossed over at relevant points. Yeah, there could easily be time jumps in some of them and not others. Because, I mean, he even says here that it's only been five days since uh, that, that call, but certainly some of the other stuff feels like it's taking place over a slightly longer period of time. Right, whereas the Twin Peaks, a lot of that stuff, you know, has been in two days from when they found, you know, all the, all the stuff from Briggs to yeah. like, last episode was two days and... It explains things like, you know, Cooper, a Dougie, you know, the, the the key, the Great Northern Key being posted back. Oh, we said and, that. Yeah, we said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like, we said, like, we but, said that as soon as these questions came up, that the key probably took a week to get there. So clearly... Right, but this just confirms that, yeah, okay, this is just how it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's actually not that complicated. It's just... It's because, not. because it was, like, it was breadcrumbed a little bit up until now, people were sort of asking questions. But now that it's been... Con- it's okay, it's just confirmed. It's just... It's yeah. not. It's just not reliable to just assume that things are taking place at the same time. So just get right. that out your head and you're fine. Still okay to question the out of order stuff, though. Sure, sure. If that even even ever comes up, I don't know if it will. If if it does, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it will. I think we'll just have to accept maybe that these are. This is how things are. Um, but anyway, so, uh, so that's that's pretty much the end of that scene. The drive off, except of course that the uh, convenience store, uh, basically Tardis's out of the scene. Uh, it does. It proper flashes light, lots of smoke. Lots of smoke. But it's again it's it's that stuttering back and forth smoke that we saw in episode eight. Yeah. So again it's, it's you know, it's timey wimey and the Twin Peaks style of showing that things are out of sync and like 
sort of stuttering out of existence. Uh, and of course, the, there's just the force behind it, uh, left left on its own. So that's how we end that scene. So then we have a scene in the woods uh, with shitty Steve and his uh, his mistress, we'll call her. Um, like, mistress implies that he's of some sort of standing. You know, like I expect a rich man to have a mistress, not some little dishbag. Peace on the side. So it feels a bit demeaning, but all right. It um, does, but it feels like that's what he'd call it. Well, I mean, this man is, after all, proud that he's a high school graduate. Yeah, so there's a, there's a man mocking his dog, who, by the way, is Mark Frost, uh, if you're not familiar with what he looks like. So I wasn't. He got a little cameo. Um, so, he basically wants to kill himself uh, by the sounds of it. That's what it sounds like pretty early yeah. on. He he wants to... And he asks if she's coming with... And this is where I, I thought it got a little bit interesting in terms of dialogue. Because the way he was phrasing it, it was like he was expecting to go somewhere. And I don't just mean in the broad sense of, you know, people believe in a heaven or whatever. It felt like he deep down knows that there's some lodge or something that he might go to. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not consciously. Because he's, yeah. he says, uh, are you coming with me? Um, and at one point he says something like, uh, when I'm there, I'll, like, you know, I'll wait for you. I'll look down for you, or some of that. It, yeah, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. And yeah, he's like, you know, I'm a high school graduate. Uh, now, he also says a couple of other things, which is really interesting. Oh, actually, before we even get to that, he he said there is no why I did do it. To which she responds, No, she did it. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Is this taking place after something we'll see with Becky later on, or is this something that's happened off camera that we'll maybe discover later? Right, because I was trying to think, like, what what could either of them have done? You know, like, well, what could it be that, that people can have that debate, assuming she is Becky? Yeah, and if it's, no, she did it, like, did he kill Becky? Like, did she, like, did Becky, like, you know, fly off the rails and attack him and he, sh- you know, killed her? And that's why, she, you know, that's why the girlfriend here saying, no, she did it, like, it's her fault. Right. You know, that could be, well, that's maybe that boring explanation, but that's just the first thing that kind of popped in my head. If you know it's something we've not seen yet, uh, so I, I think it'll be it'll be very interesting if we do see Richard, uh, Steve again. Sorry, I'm confused in the the two dicks. assholes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting if we do see him again, and it'll be like, okay, are things out of order? Yeah, uh, I, I, we've got a precedent for it now, so it wouldn't surprise. Certainly, there's more to this than we know right now. Like, yeah, absolutely. Is. But here's some other things he says. He starts talking about what it's going to be like. He says. Well, uh, will I be with the rhinoceros, the lightning in the ball, or will I be completely like turquoise? Yeah, that that, Str- that strange phrase. That I mean, rhinoceros implies power. Like, will he be with something powerful? Lightning in the bottle. I mean, that's. The, I mean, uh, that, I think that plays the most into. Yeah, because the, electricity the, the static, yeah, the yeah. static, the, the the scratching, all the electric stuff. It's, it's the idea of, you know, lightning is powerful. And it's like, you know, trapping power. Or will I be completely like turquoise? I have no, I, ha- I don't even know what to read I mean, I mean, if, if, if lightning is like, you know, like lightning in the bottle is like, will I be like trapped power? You know, like, rhinoceros is maybe more free. But turquoise, I don't know, it's very neutral. Maybe turquoise just means nothing. Like, rhinoceros is powerful and free. Trapped in the bottle is... Or lightning in the bottle is trapped and you can't get out. Yeah. But turquoise is just... Oh, there's nothing. 
Yeah. I mean, may, maybe to go against what I said, maybe it is just the general ramblings of someone who's trying to question what's after death. Maybe it is. Yeah. It be. I mean, it's kind of interesting that someone who's this hopped up is like speaking in like a weird kind of almost poetry-like language that we have to interpret. But you know, yep. which is what maybe why there's credence to it. Or it's, it's something more than that. He's he's got some sort of idea of something. It, it uh, it's just strange because he's always seemed very sure of himself. He's always been a dick. He's always been very sure of himself. This is the first time we've really seen him questioning anything. Hmm. So, music starts to come in. It gets very ominous. We see the dog walker eventually comes into into the shot. The girl freaks out, hides behind the tree, and obviously it plays for some suspense here. We don't really know if he shot the guy or if he shot himself because we just hear the gunshot, and it cuts to these really ominous shots of the trees and the music. And again, the scene started with you know aerial shots of the trees. A lot of that this episode. It's a big theme this episode. I mean, it's, we've seen it on and off throughout the season, but this episode more than any. Yeah, it really feels like. The show really likes to play with this idea that there's something out there in the woods, something you know deep in there that you can't quite see, uh, which is just you know good creepy storytelling if nothing else, uh, and symbolism. So, yeah, shows with trees. Dog Walker. It tells Carl. It, we, we, we go, it ends up at the uh, the trailer park and he points at where he lives from. And again, the music is very ominous. Yeah, yeah. But, but like I say, he points at where where he lived. It was kind of like he goes, "Oh, the kid just killed himself." It, the one that lived there. And of course, like this could simply be just another case of showing how bad things are in Twin Peaks, how dark things are. Like when Carl looks over at the the trailer, he's he's he looks kind of melancholic. Yeah. You know, he's he's kind of like oh, another one's gone. Like it's an all sad story to add onto the pile. Right. I am really intrigued as to why he killed himself though, because like I said, he's he's always seemed so sure of himself, and he's been very arrogant, but and. This I mean, seemed very. But whatever has whatever has happened has clearly affected him quite profoundly. To crack a dark joke, he just realised what type of person he was and looked in the mirror and said, "You know what? Yep, that's, that's the course no, of action." Maybe, it, maybe it was something like that. Whatever, whatever happened, whatever. Because he, 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 he is awful. He 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 abuses his his wife rather. He he forces her to take drugs with him. He spends all of her mother's money. Like he is like a parasite. He is an oh, actual absolutely. parasite. But, but this thing, you know, whatever it is, he's done, and you know. The girl saying no, she did it. Like whatever it is mm. he's done, maybe this was no, this was too far. It's actually affected him this time. Yeah. And was it and, Becky, or was this right. something that happened with an unknown person that we might either see or maybe see the effects of later on? Right. And it just makes me go, what did he do that was so bad that made him go, no, I've crossed a line. And it's funny because the last time we seen him, it was when Becky went over to his house to try and you know shoot him, and yeah. we had that ominous shot of like it was like you know his past was catching up to him, like you know came down the stairs and mm. ended on him. Like, so. Yeah. Um, so then we cut to the Roadhouse um, we had some ZZ Top not the actual band ZZ I was Top. really disappointed um, when, when he started introducing I was like I was like is this happening I, I'm assuming since you thought it was a possibility are they all still alive I just I think I think they are I just because it's an old band I just didn't know if they I, were I, I know like maybe one of them died but I think that was like or like one of the you know the earlier members that got replaced, but of course, uh, sharp dressed man's playing, which is the perfect intro for the always cool James to make his entrance into the scene. Uh, he comes sauntering in with his buddy Freddy, who's you know got his green glove on, and we're getting to the best part of the episode here. Um, oh, oh, absolutely! And Renee's sitting there uh, with you know her and her husband with another couple, and. James, as he's walking up, it's like a horror movie where I'm like, no, what are you doing? James, don't, don't. I'm like, don't try and flirt with her when her husband's sitting there. Are you mad? 
and he, I think he's a little bit simple-minded these days. And he just awkwardly sort of stands there, and he's like, he's almost too far away as well, and just kind of like really feebly and quietly goes, "Hey, Renee," and like the husband turns around, and is like, "You got a death wish?" And I'm like, "Of course that happened." I mean, clearly he knows you're you've got a thing for it. He's he's already suspecting there's something going yep. on, and he gets up and immediately just starts beating the shit out of him. Uh, well, actually, sorry. Before he beats the shit out of him, there's a few more lines from James that prompts the, the shit beating. He goes, oh, I just, I'm just trying to be polite. I mean, I like her. Don't say that sentence. Even if you mean it in an innocent way, you know how that sounds to the husband. Don't say that. James deserved what he got here. He brought it himself. I, I don't know if he deserved to be, you know, punched and kicked while he's on the ground. Uh, all right, but he, 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 he did bring it on himself, didn't he? He, 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 he yeah, he, he really should have been wiser. But of course, it did set the stage for Freddy to use his, dare I say, Iron Fist. Oh, I've just put Iron Fist, F yeah, as my notes for this. I don't think I was expecting the shotgun sound effect when he used it. It was glorious. It did this thing where the music kind of cut out and the, the, the frame kind of froze as his, his punch or his fist hit the face. Um, although, I was kind of thinking, right, okay, this is the, the power of a pile driver, an enormous pile driver at that. I'm like, punch him in the shoulder. Don't punch him in the face. You're going to kill the poor, poor guys. And sure enough, like the husband's lying there after. He's like having a seizure and like he's foaming and all the rest of it. And James is like trying to flutter with the wife. He's like, I'm sorry, Renee. I didn't mean for this to happen. But if he dies, can can we go out? <laughs> he didn't say that, but you know. He might as well have done. He was thinking it. Yeah. Until, of course, he noticed how, how dying he looked. He went, oh, wait, his eyes don't look right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but man, that, that, those punches were so satisfying. And obviously, we're working through Defenders right now. Mm-hmm. These two punches were better than any punch that Iron Fist has thrown in that show. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I just about... I, I laughed after the first one because I wasn't expecting it. And then when the second one happened, I just cheered. I was like, yeah. yeah that's it. That's it's great. Like, it's like, what's happening? And then it's like... I. I love this. This is fantastic. And this is, of course, not the last time we're going to see it because he has a purpose, and his purpose was not to just, you know, punch like out some these... random dudes in a bar. Yeah, unless it's like, oh, he had to protect James because James has got an important thing. No, he doesn't. Uh, so he's got a purpose, right? Possibly to punch his way out of a jail cell, uh, which he ends up in. Uh, although, let's skip ahead. There's a, a couple of small scenes before we get there. Yeah. Um. So we cut to the Las Vegas FBI with the the angry man, is what I'm recalling them. Um. And Wilson, who is the agent that he shouted at, you know, you remember the fantastic scene from last week. Wilson, this is what forget. we this is what we do in the FBI. Look, um, I'm just putting it out here. Las Vegas FBI branch might be my favourite thing in the show. <laughs> so Wilson comes in and he's like, Hey, right, we we got uh, Mr. Jones and his wife Jane uh, in. And it says they're walking down, I'm like, Oh, I, I can't wait for this to be a mistake so that you can yell at him. And it's as they're walking down, he's like, yeah, yeah, they're okay, but the kids are a bit restless. He's like, kids? Plural. And then he opens the door, and Molson's already, like, basically ran away He's scared. run off. He's yeah. like, oh, shit. He got scared and ran away, and he opens the door, and it's this family with, like, five kids or whatever it is, and these two big, you know, these two people who are not, you know, Cooper and not Janie. Not Dougie and Janie, yeah. is the point. Um, and he just, like, shuts the door, starts walking past with, Wilson! <laughs> and I'm like, I want a spin-off. <laughs> I want a sitcom that's just these two. Oh my god, I love it so much. Just just that that Wilson. It's just oh it's the best. 
I, I almost hoped it kept going just so I could hear maybe he walks in another room that we don't see and we're just still in the hall with a shot and we just hear Wilson this is not what we do in the FBI oh I can just imagine him yelling that like twice a week oh dear uh, so that cuts to Mr. Todd also in Vegas and he gets his buddy Roger in or his assistant Roger in to uh, find Anthony because he's like I've not heard from this Anthony bastard he's meant to be killing that doogie uh, and then we just we see a figure that comes in uh, you can tell it's a, a woman it's, it's, it's feminine uh, and it she shoots Mr. Todd in the head it's a really good little splat actually good head it's lovely isn't it yeah and it shoots Roger poor Roger who's you know he's just he's just working there it's not it's just his job and to, to go back to you know referring to, to Iron Fist Roger is this show's Kyle he is He's this show's Kyle. That's what's good. He just wanted vanilla ice cream. That's all he wanted in life. Exactly. He, did, he didn't want to be mixed up in all this. And uh, yeah, so so the, per- the the assailant walks out, and the camera sort of pans with, and we were out in the sort of the you know the hall where the elevators are. Yeah. And walking away, and I'm like, oh, this is probably Chantal, right? As she's getting yeah. close to the elevators, but then her phone rings, and she opens it, and she it's like, and you hear her voice, oh, it is, and she's talking to Hutch, and it's like, okay, that's one down, want to go, and then. But again, they play it for comedy because we just hear this, oh, like this is this like moaning, like so one of them's not dead, like one of them yeah. probably Roger because you know Todd was very clearly a headshot. Right, Roger, 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 pure Roger's like in pain. She's like, oh, wait a minute, I need to go and finish this, and she just storms back in. And the camera stays. I actually really like how this was shot. Like, I like, yeah, we, we we don't need to see it again. Yeah, yeah, no, but I just mean like even the whole thing from the shooting itself to the way it, it conceals her identity. Then we find out who it is, and it just stays out there. Because I think what staying out there does is it sort of shows you just how routine this is for her, and it makes yeah, it feel it, it, really it kind absurd. of is like now nah, the job's done. Like yeah. Todd was killed, that was the target. Rod's just this byproduct. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. But again, it has this weird thing where you just she just casually walks back into the room. We just we just wait for her because it's normal. Like in this, in her world, it's normal to do this. Right, and she comes back out, picks up the phone, and goes like, "Sorry about that, I'm done now." Yeah, get me fries and extra ketchup. <laughs> yeah, go for a Wendy's again. Late Wednesdays, wait Wednesdays, Wendy's. Um, so then we go to uh, the police station, and we have James and Freddie uh, get taken into the cells. Uh, put them in cell eight was the mm. was the phrase that we interesting. used again, like roommate, and uh, and the lodge slash Dutchman. World. Do you think it's interesting that you know obviously eight is the the things here, and obviously episode eight was the big one. Ah, oh, I never even made that connection, but you I, mean, know, I, I don't know because obviously it could be just coincidence. It's like oh, that just happened to be where that fell. But we end on eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I may not mean anything, but since you've mentioned it, why not? Why not? So. So yeah, put some in the cells. Um, they notice Nado, who's like still miming stuff she's doing stuff with her hands and she's like making noises which the guy who's injured is also still making noises i just noted down that chad is in hell because he's just lying there screaming because the noise yep. won't stop which i thought was amusing uh my only other point here or two points to an extent is james of course is still a good guy because he, he make, he's concerned about the well-being of the people that freddie yeah. punched and uh he asks if they're okay and we find out they're in intensive care so obviously he's messed them up pretty bad and then the other point I just I thought was kind of amusing, a little bit of irony, is that Bobby's putting like James in a jail cell when you know mm. Bobby himself was in a jail cell a lot back in the original series. I just I thought, oh, and true. they were kind of rivals for a while because you know Bobby was a shithead. Yeah, um, I mean not that James was a great person. Admittedly, he was out on his bike and yeah, what a knob. T- telling telling Maddie about all the love love stories and such. Checking up with older women. 
Or oh, actually, it's still Donna, actually. Yeah, not not Maddie. I was forgetting who he was monologuing to. Anyway, he monologued a lot, didn't he? Because even the sh- when the show was good, there was that one monologue that he said to Donna where it was something like, "Oh, if we could just be together forever, I'd know that everything was okay." And there was just this really cheesy line, and I was like, "Oh, James, you're the worst." No, what am I saying? James was cool. He's always been no, cool. No, no. I love that James is like, you know, he had that accident. He's kind of simple now. It's like, yeah, we can't have a monologue anymore. <laughs> I mean, he's likable on the fact that he's trying to steal waves away from people. I mean, that is his one fault, really. Well, that and that damn song. I'm counting, <laughs> that, I'm counting that as a fault. As Points him against a, him. It makes him a bad musician, not a bad person. It's one and the same to me. You just happen to be both. That doesn't mean uh, that's uh, connected. Uh, yeah. yeah, if you hear the music at the end of the video, that's Connors. So just you know, if you think it's bad, let him know he's a bad musician. That's fair. <laughs> I forgot I had that. I was like, damn it. Yeah, there's proof at the end of the video. There is. Um, so so that was that was that scene. Uh, so, but I don't think it's a coincidence though that they're all in here. Like the fact that he's in eight and like Nado's in here and like it feels like it's setting up something because obviously we've got a single episode next week we've got a double finale after that 17, 18 of the same week and we've got two weeks left man this is getting scary what, but, what are we going to do after this? wait for know. Mr. Robot I guess uh, maybe on a Sunday night we can watch I don't know pick another old show to work through or something maybe, maybe... Suggestions, folks. I I hear what, the. What uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that's as heady as Twin Peaks, and I can't. Not not much is, is it? No. Um, not in not in the realm of TV. But yeah, it feels like all the like if these are the pawns in the story, it feels like they're all been set up in that jail cell. Like I think there's a purpose why they're all there. And, but... and like I say I think Freddie can do a, a, a bit of a jailbreak and get NATO out as well. Yeah, I think he specific. can punch, he can punch that cell door open with that that pale driver. I think he can. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but I think it's notable we have five characters in those jail cells now. We're stacking yeah. up. We're stacking up. So then we go to Chant- Chantel and Hush. Hush? Hutch? I can't speak tonight. Um, and they're eating their Wendy's. They're in the car. Uh, and uh, Hutch is actually doing a little bit of, just a bit, bit of truth. Or, well, maybe not truth, but he's, he's been really cynical and saying, hey, like, the government pays people to kill everyone all the time. We're just doing the same thing. Yeah, what's the difference? Yeah, he's, he's talking we, about... We get to have nice burgers while we do it. Yeah, he's complaining about the hypocrisy of like the country's morals and like the amendments and all that, and uh, even the commandments. I think he brings up, thou shall not kill. It should be, thou should kill. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's doing all this, and again, most of this is just little character stuff for me. I wasn't really picking up on a lot of, like... I mean, I wasn't picking up a lot of hidden being... I mean, I think what Hutch is saying could maybe be a commentary in of itself, but it's very on its face value. It's right, and it is of... very much just a view of the the, the the situation of where America is as a country. You know, like, I think it's very clear that it is just talking about kind of the mess, the hypocrisy, like you say. Just... Yeah, it's, it's, it's very face value. There's not a lot to read. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing to analyse because he just says it. <laughs> there's no... Right, um... uh, which, which works coming from him because, like, these, these pair are very blunt characters that, you know, they are very face value. You, I mean... you get what you pay for. Although perhaps you could read into the fact that they seem to be a fan of like this fast food chain, like they're they're like they're complaining about the, you know the government just like organising things and the way the system works, but they are just kind of when it comes to eating, they are just very much part of the system because they just like yeah, to they're, eat. They're, the... they're quite happy with the franchises. They are. They don't really see the need to change things up. They're like, yeah, sure, let's just get on with it. And going back to our earlier conversation about Norma, 
is this some weird commentary like, oh, this, this, is, this is the idiot bad people who like the franchises. <laughs> yeah, it's like, they're fine, they're likeable enough, but they're not, not much going on with them. Whereas Norma, it's like, you like Norma. Yeah, maybe that's a bit cruel to say people who like franchises are these asshole hitmen, but... Well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, we do find out a couple of things, though. She hates the little ketchup packets when she wants more ketchup. She'd like a proper... I don't know. Just... I'm with her on this. Those little sachets the... are annoying as balls. Oh, they're, they're annoying. I, I, I give you. Um, what I And she also likes dessert. She's happy that uh, he brought her dessert. Uh, they seem very happy with each other. Um, but they look outside, because uh, uh, Hutch said it's a nice night, and lo and behold, power lines. Hmm. Uh, power lines, and again, it's this idea that something's moving across the power lines. They're coming towards Cooper, you know, just all these thoughts. Yeah, they're, they're underneath it. You know, as things are converging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then that's when she points out you can see Mars, and I thought that was notable because, like, again, going back to the whole idea that it's when things align that certain lodge entrances open up and ideas like that. So I think that's kind of part of that. Yeah. So then we get to our one and only scene with Cooper. Yes. This episode, which I have to admit, I do think it's uh, ballsy that there's two episodes in a row now where there's not been a whole lot of him. Right, and we're kind of getting to the end of the story now, and and we've not had Cooper Cooper. I know a lot of people are getting frustrated at this. I've just been, you know, talking around. Yeah, noticing the sentiments online. There's a lot of people who are frustrated. Honestly, if the the intent was always to just have him for the last episodes, I'm okay with it, right? That's it. I, I get it. I get the frustration as well, though. Like, you know, you, you were promised, oh, Twin Peaks is coming back. You wanted Cooper back. That's... And, and you're not really getting that. So I, I can understand the frustration. I can understand it, but at the same time, like, my view on it is kind of like, okay, that's what you thought you were getting. You jumped to assumptions based on what the old show was. But I think... I don't think David Lynch have, and Mark Frost ever really had an intention of just doing the same thing again. It's... No, I, that, that's it. It's like, people wanted this, so that's why they're frustrated, because that's... You know, what what people expected, and it's what they thought they would get, and it's just not... I mean, even us, for a long time, we were going, okay, we're a third through, no Cooper. Yeah, we thought we'd get it, but I don't think we were our enjoyment was ever hinging on it happening. Right, uh, right, that's it. I think we, we were okay just going, oh, if this is what the story is, then that's fine. We don't necessarily yeah, need I mean, it. I think it's pretty clear at this point that the return in the title is very much the return of Cooper. Like, that's the, that's the whole yeah. story, that's the whole point of the journey here, really. You know, yeah. it's it's defeating the evil forces, but it's about Cooper coming back and maybe him being instrumental in defeating the evil forces. Uh, but so anyway, so we have Cooper, and I, I liked how it went from Chantel being happy about dessert to Cooper getting dessert. I thought that was just a nice big little, slice of cake. Yeah, a nice big chocolate fudge bit of cake. Um, just just a nice little connective tissue in the edit. It, it was. It was a nice thematic link, wasn't it? Uh, so you know, Jenny's just happy, happy. To, give him some cake and she's all happy about her successful husband who's you know in the past week brought a giant playset home for Sonny Jim a new car for her and lots and lots of money yeah she, she was just like all our dreams are coming true yeah yeah. and again this goes back to what I've been saying every time he's been on screen for the last like you know five six episodes is that everyone's lives are improving because Cooper's around even if he's not all himself right that's just how good he is but he he's eating the cake and well, the thing, there's a couple of shakers on the table. One's like maybe a salt shaker, one's like salt a... Salt pepper, yeah. Yeah, salt and pepper. And he sort of just... He looks over and he just kind of... He moves one away from the other. And I thought, huh, interesting. Especially since I think the A, they kind of look like those bell-shaped things that are in the uh, the lodge. Right, I think even beyond that, like even look at it, into looking at what they represent, I think is a big significant moment. 
Yeah, because it's, it's, he, he just does it because he feels he's doing it. There's nothing right, that prompts it. Right, it's the first it, yeah. time he's done something on his own initiative. Like, I mean, we were at a point where he couldn't even go to the toilet without <laughs> him being guided to it and pointed to it. Whereas this is here, he just he just does something spontaneous, oh. thought, like just action. Also, you could even argue that they look kind of like two peaks. They do. I, that, that's what I had written down. Yeah, I didn't little, think of the bells. Little pair of twin peaks, but there you go. So then he starts doing something else of his own accord. He wants the TV on. Mm. And he, he doesn't quite get it right away. It takes him a couple of tries. You know, I think it's the third try. He finally gets. You know, he has a button. Yeah, the he presses one button, then he presses two more, and then he, then finally, he finally hits the yeah, power button. Then he finally gets the power button. Although, interestingly enough, a lot of TVs and almost every TV I've ever had actually will turn on if you just press one of the channel numbers. Mine doesn't. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite common. Yeah, I've got a few TVs in, in in my home, and none of them do. Yeah, almost every oh, TV I've ever had has done that. Interesting. Um, because. And the only reason why I thought of that is because uh, I think I seen it recently on something else where someone pressed the channel number to turn it on, and I went, "Oh, that's accurate." Because I, you know, I, I well, I, I, I know you can, but I, th- I think one of my old TVs has done it. But yeah. none of the ones I have, I think I've got three TVs at the moment and in the, in the house, and none of them do that. I've got four. Yeah, but <laughs> I was it was a joke. Let it go. Just, it was screw just a, you. It was a stupid little joke, right? Screw you. Duh. <laughs> I don't think I do actually. I think it's think it's three, but still, ha. we're equal. You're laugh. You 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 think it's embarrassing that I'm equal yes, to you? You're, you're equal with a ginger. <laughs> okay, so he gets the TV on, and did you recognise the film playing? Uh, I didn't recognise the film off the top of my head. No, uh, Sunset Boulevard is the the movie. I've seen that as well. <laughs> I, I have seen it as well. Uh, I did recognise the movie. Um, I mean, I didn't remember the dialogue in the scene or anything like that. I wasn't. I, was, I just kind of vaguely was. Like, oh right, it was because the she says uh, Mr. Demille to the guy. I'm like, okay, oh, it's Sunset Boulevard. I've seen this um, mm. as she's leaving. And uh, what I didn't uh, remember though from memory was one of the character names. Before you just get to that, because this is about the, like, they're talking about you know getting the old team together. Oh no, yeah, again. I noted this down as well. Yeah, the, the lines of the dialogue were. Uh, where am I? Yeah. Everything will be fine. The old team together. Uh, again. The old team together again. Nothing can stop us. And it's like, oh, who's the team? We're getting that's together. It, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, once, once they're all together, that's it. They win. Yeah. Um, so, of course, uh, the character says, get me Gordon Cole. And it's funny, actually, because I, I actually did remember you know, later thinking about it, that Lynch in the past has like, sort of talked about how a lot of the characters are named after other characters and like movies and stuff that he likes, you know, growing up and so so on and so forth. Why not? Makes a lot of sense. Um, and you know, I, I think there's probably a good well of analysis to go if you want to go digging into like, okay, who's named after who, and does that thematically link up with who? Like, you right. know, Lynch is this sort of crazy man who would do it to that. Alternatively, extent. I also think he's so crazy that he might just go, no, I like that character. That name will do. It, just to throw deep people possibly. off. Possibly, yeah, possibly. Um, I did see someone pointed it online though, uh, a famous character named Judy. Oh? Uh, from a movie. Have you seen Vertigo? No. Well, no. interestingly, Judy is one of two characters played by the same actress in that movie. Interesting. Well, kind of. But I don't want to spoil the movie. <laughs> but let's just say the whole idea of like two sides to the same person. Yeah. Is in that film, right? Uh, the idea of duality. No, I get it. I get it. I see, I see where you're getting at. And one one name is Judy. 
read into Interesting. that. Interesting. Yes. How you will. Um, but obviously, to get out of this, Cooper reacts when he hears that name. Oh, he he reacts big time. It, it's almost he's it, it, still kind of childlike. It's like a kid who's just uh, heard like he's getting something nice for Christmas or something like that. <laughs> like he sort of, mm. Mm. and he goes to turn it off, and it, but he reacts strongly. He hears that name, and it means something to him. Yeah, and he and he pauses it, and then he looks over at the the outlet, and we hear the electrical buzzing coming in. This, this you know, so the hum, yeah, the hum, the scratching. And it gets louder and louder as he goes over to it, and he's he's getting closer, and he's got a fork in his hand. And I was actually kind of giggling to myself because as he get out of the seat, I'm like, he's still got a fork in his hand. And of course, it actually becomes relevant because he gets close to the the outlet, and he starts trying to stick the fork in it. And I'm like, oh god, Cooper, what are you doing? Um, and then he's like, oh wait, I'll turn it around. He's like, okay, he's problem solving, which you know I'm proud of him that he problem solved to stick the other end in, but this is not going to go well. Uh, the noise is getting louder. He sticks it in and. Everything flashes, and again, obviously, electrical flashing is a big thing in this world, yeah. uh, and obviously, he's causing it. Uh, and uh, the lights go out, it goes dark. Janie screams, and even Sonny Jim from like beds, like, "Mom, what's going on? What's happening?" <laughs> and that's all we get. Do you know what I thought was really interesting? Mm-hmm. Cooper, like, he doesn't react for a long time. Like, he's just holding it in there. Like, we can see yeah. the electricity going around the end of the fork. Like, it shows you that, and he's just kind of holding it. He's, he looks okay, and then. He doesn't react until Janie screams, and he's like, "Oh, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing." It's like he's either trying to go back in because he vaguely remembers coming from there, or he's trying to like a jump start. Or he know, he know, yeah, or yeah, or, well, yeah, maybe that 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 would maybe imply that he knows there's more to learn. Yeah, maybe that's, that's maybe true. a little too conscious for him. But it's like mm-hmm. he like, wait a minute, something to do with those outlets, like because he's noticed them before. Like, he, remember when we said yes, the police yeah. station and he noticed them as well. It's like, wait, there's something about this that relates to my past. And it's like he's trying to find out. Uh, so maybe the, the fork itself isn't that noteworthy beyond it's just him trying to figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I, I just found it interesting know. that he didn't seem to be that, actually that shocked by the electricity. Like, it didn't seem to mm. really be affecting him. Um, I think he was shaking a little bit, to be fair. Okay. His facial expression maybe wasn't reacting much to it, but it, I, I think it was affecting his body. All right, fair enough. Um, I'd have to go, now that you've put doubt in my head though I'd have to go back and check yeah, to, yeah. to be Sorry. sure yeah, you're going to go and do that later I'm sure probably um, so so that's the only Cooper we get um, and it's funny like if the name Gordon Cole has that reaction what happens if someone calls him Cooper like what if someone just walks up to him and says hey Dale right is that kind of what snaps him back to normal almost like the the, the idea of his name names of power yeah like, is it that simple or does someone just have to address him as Cooper mm, interesting and we're almost at the point now where people are starting to understand that like the FBI know they're looking for someone named Dougie in there uh, the police had his fingerprints they threw it out because they're a bunch of idiots but like they found it, stuff it, out is it a case of you know like when, when the, the Vegas FBI finally find him when, when Wilson does his damn job <laughs> and, and they get him in and they go you know, you're in, you want a connection with Dale Cooper, whatever, you know, whatever they say about the case, but they mention his name. Hmm. Is that when things start chugging along for him? God damn it, Wilson. <laughs> this could be all over if uh, Wilson no, just did be. his job. Could be. Could already be done, but not. Oh, piece of shit. Here we are. Damn it, Wilson. That's not what you do in the FBI. Don't make mistakes. So, then, then, we, then we go to the log lady. And yeah. this is a. This was a. 
a sweet, if hard watch, this section of the show, because obviously the actress passed away uh, before I think they even finished filming it, and she was close, to, clearly, she, she's, all of her scenes are sitting down, she's got like apparatus in, like, you know, yeah. she, she's got the breather in and all that, and it's funny, because I, I know just from sort of like tangential knowledge that she was a big fan of her character, like, she, she loved doing Twin Peaks, and she was a big fan of, uh, uh, of Being the kooky little love yeah. lady. Yeah, and like she, apparently she was like a proponent of like always asking Lynch to do more. Like she wanted to come back. That's uh, nice. So you know, I, I think you know that, that's why I, I doubt she took convincing to do this, even though she she, she was so. She Ill. was just like, please let me do it. Yeah, she wanted L- to. Do Lynch it. was probably like, "Are you sure you're well enough for this?" Yeah. And she's like, "I'm doing it, damn it." Which is probably what they lately just filmed this in our house. Like they probably just dressed. They her probably house, went to her. Yeah, yeah, and filmed it. And it's why it's always on the phone. It's like, no, no, yeah. we're coming to you. We're keeping this easy for you. Um. And that's okay because I mean, uh, certainly in the show, the character's supposed to also be close to death. So at least, like they made it right. work. They, they, the story. they made it. Yeah. They, it, they another, it would be another thing if they said, "Oh no, between scenes she's doing gymnastics, but only in the scenes you see her and she's on the phone like this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so she she phones phones Hawk once again for I think for the third time in the season. So and just just before we threes. get to the conversation, yeah, I thought it was really interesting. You know, Lucy, you know, passed him through. And she goes, "It's on line one." But she doesn't say that's the one that's blinking to Hawk. Hmm. Now, obviously, she says it a yeah, lot, especially when, she, especially for for Truman. But for, to Hawk, it's just like, oh, it's not this line one, and you know, let you get on with it. I think she did before this season, though. She might have done. Like the pre- the last time she phoned, I feel like she might have said the one that's blinking, and maybe the the whole idea that she didn't say that is maybe more of a like a weird omen about what the call was about, rather than. That she trusts Hawk to know what yeah. button to press. <laughs> but immediately before the conversation even started, I was on edge because it was like mm. Lucy didn't say it's the one that's blinking. This is different. Because I'd almost argue it's not something to, like a part of the case that's to do with the lodge, but it is. Like she says something that's relevant to right. that, so it can't just be that. Not that Lucy would know that. I'm just saying that like, no, 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 subconsciously but, this would be a thing she would right. say or not say. Um. So she she quite quickly says she that she's dying and I, I my, like I immediately like, oh like I felt really bad because I knew the actress was actually was literally dying yeah. when they went in the film that's it stuff. it's like when they were filming it she knew that was real, real for her as well as the character yeah uh, and it, so it really hits hard it, it hurts hard in a way that I, I was not prepared for and I see and I, I think maybe that's why they because they could have probably done that really happy Ed Norma thing like five episodes ago if they wanted to but they saved it for this one and I think it's to counterbalance this I think you, possibly. You, st- you, st- you start us with that really happy scene, and then yeah, you, get... you have loss and love in the same one. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, and she talks about how death. Uh, you know uh, this. I, I, I wrote the whole thing. You wrote, the, you wrote the whole thing. Well, you can fill in any bits that you think I've missed that are interesting. But she talks about how you know, talk, you know that death's uh, a change, not the end. Yeah. Um, and I know Lynch is pretty spiritual, and it kind of makes sense given all this, the shit that he, he writes about, like in this and. You know, yeah. th- thoughts of it going elsewhere, um, and yeah. But she says there's some fear in letting go. Yeah, even though she's like, no, it's not the end. There's ch- it's just change. But people are scared of change. Even you yeah, know, just regular change. People people don't like it as a rule. So I, I did, you know, miss out a couple of setup lines. But I I got to the uh, the meat here, the meat and potatoes, the the the, the warning. 
Because she talks about, oh, you know, when we used to talk in person and, you know, remember all those things. I, and... I did think it was interesting because she says she can't say, you know, what it is. She says, remember what I told you. She can't say it over the phone, but you know what it is. It's what we spoke about in person. So immediately to us, it's like, okay, this isn't something we know. We haven't heard this information because we've only seen them interact on the phone. Yeah, actually, uh, that's a fair point. But the way I took it, like my first thought about it was that, well, if the lodges, spirits and stuff use electricity and they use phone lines and stuff, it's that it's not safe. To, that's why it's usually right, right. that's who why can, it was in who person. Can hear it. Well, yeah. yeah. Um, and it, she was always off the grid, and like you know, she lived in a cabin. Yeah, yeah. That was the whole thing. And she says, you know, watch for that one. Watch for the one under the moon on uh, Blue Pine Blue, Mountain. Yeah, Blue Pine Mountain. Blue Pine Mountain. And do you recall the map? Hawk's map. Yeah. Do you know what was under the moon in the map? I, I don't recall it that specifically, no. A certain symbol with little antennas. Oh. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. So she's warning of this this big bad villain that, I mean, Hawk himself knew about because he, he said, oh, you don't, you don't want to know about that one. He was talking to Truman. He's like, no, you don't want to yeah, know about yeah. that. Did he know about it because it was something he knew anyway? Like, you know, like mm. his, his own knowledge or did he learn it from, from her? He may have. He may have learned it from her. Like, like there's, you know, these conversations that they've had that we've not seen. Is, and, is that how he's Yeah, learned? and how long has it been? Because like, this implies it was maybe a while ago that she was like out and about and she was like talking to people in person. Right. So... Um, I think it may be like this is st- something that he knows from her, perhaps. And even if it isn't, it still works. But the, the, like, yeah. again, it's this build, this big bad, this this ultimate evil that we're building to all season. Yeah. So very good. And then she says something very interesting, given all the mm. stuff we've seen. My log is turning to gold. Yes, and I can't help but think of a certain couple of shovels. My mind never went to the shovels. My, my I'm, mind, just, I'm just saying. My mind went to log, yeah, not log, lodge creations becoming gold balls when their time is done. The that idea that right. her log is actually, if it is giving her messages from beyond, from, from say the White Lodge. Um, and keep in mind, didn't her husband die in a fire? We've got the firemen. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, I don't know, connections there. Uh, you know, as her husband becomes something like Major Briggs, like possibly Philip Jeffries, and that's why he's communicating through the log. He left the log so he could talk to her. Yeah. <laughs> or he put the well, log there be. so he could talk to her. Um, but, but like I say, turning to gold, it's the idea that, you know, the the, the soul is, is being taken then. You know, it's becoming, it, it's got its other form and it's going yeah. somewhere else. But, and because she's no longer going to be there, so it doesn't need to be there anymore. It's like its purpose is done because she's not around to hear it. So, right, and and that's how she knows that she's dying because hmm. it's like no, if this is going, it's only going because I am. Yeah. So, no. Uh, so no, it's uh, the music that's played. Uh, admittedly, not quite yet. It's just when Hawk tells them the news, uh, but the music that plays is the same music that played when the boy died. Got uh, hit by the truck. Same sad music. Yeah. Very good music as well. But uh, um, so that seems to very much be the. You know the, the the death theme of the season. Yeah, the the nice death theme. Well, yeah, well, sure, yeah, not not the the brutal murder death. No, right. I mean the boy was brutally murdered, but not not in that same way. Um, so, so Hawk actually, even before I get to that, again, we talked about how Ed, like after this, because you know she says goodbye on the phone and good night, and he says good night and hangs up the phone, and then he just sits there and says 
Goodbye, Margaret. And it's it's mm. very soft. And then there's some shots of the trees. She did say before the the wind is. I'm not sure if I've written down moving or meaning. Moaning. Moaning. There you go. Can't read my writing. The wind was moaning because I actually noticed that before she said it. That the wind was starting to like pick up, like it was. Yeah. Like, like it's this is the end. Like, like again, look, like, you know, like her life going, like, or even the log's life going, maybe is like a strong enough force that it's affecting the atmosphere around it, and it's like the, the the wind's here to whisk it off to wherever next. Very good. There you go. But I say moaning implies, you know, like it's it's sad. It's like you know, like it's yeah. Even the wind is like mourning this. Mm. The idea that's elemental that even. Just the earth around it is affected by the change of life, the, the loss of it. Right. Uh, so, so he calls the others into the, the boardroom. There's some shots of trees before we get there, though. And we have Lucy and Andy come in, and they're just like, oh, Hawk called us in here for something. And Hawk steps out of the darkness. He, he comes out like this dark, you know, there's a, there's a door. He wasn't just hiding in the corner, but it, it, it appears as if he's just walking out of darkness to give bad news. And he explains that she's died. And, but he uses her name, and then Lucy says, the log lady's dead? And honestly, I think the beautiful thing about this scene and them all finding out, because there's a lot of nice touches. There's, you know, the sheriff taking off his hat. There's, mm. you know, uh, Hawk putting his head down at the end, which then fades into, again, more shots of the trees and the idea that yeah. this is the world and whatnot. But Lucy Lucy finding out and seeing Lucy's genuine, like, distress at the news is actually probably the most touching thing they could have done to really... Because, again, Lucy and Andy are, like, the, the really innocent characters who are, you know, they're simple. They're not complicated. They don't have... Uh, malicious intent, they are pure. That was the yeah. word you used, I think, a couple of weeks ago, pure. Um, so seeing Lucy get upset that the log ladies died is like, you know, it was, it was the fitting cap on, well, not quite the cap, it was a little, one little more moment, but it was, I think, the best way to really just sell the, the sadness of it. That, that I, even I think she's hit by it. When it comes from, any emotion that comes from Annie and Lucy just feels more genuine. Yeah. Because they, they, they're very open with their emotions. You know, they never try and hide how they're feeling. So when you see her sadness, you just you know right that's it you know that that's real. Especially since Lucy's someone who usually talks a lot, so her her being stunned to silence, yeah, is also a kind of a big thing. And uh, I just, it's just it's it's kind of like um, I I I don't mean to compare her to like an animal, but it's kind of like how when you have a pet, and normally your pets don't really react to anything that's going on, but sometimes when you're really sad, it's like they can tell. And even they know something's wrong or something's bad. I'm just going to say, if you have pets other than cats, they do react. It's just cats are evil and don't give a shit. The cats do react. That's the that's the point I'm making. Is that eventually? No, 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 no. Only only when it's bad enough. They're, they're not all the time. I was trying to make a nice, good point. And I know, he, and I and want to make a dig at cats. And you're just blurring it up because you want to have your anti-cat agenda all over this, this show and I'm not having it so shut your goddamn right I've got an agenda so no really really sad music plays and then you know it fades out from Hawk as it goes over the trees again very haunting very beautiful it goes back to her house the, the log lady's house or cabin and you just see the light go out uh, it's, it's a really touching moment isn't it and it fades to black it was like it, it really is it's this, it's this, this big thing it's kind of like Lynch is saying like she was an important part of this and we're going to give her this great big send off and she you know yeah. she has the final bits of advice that are going to be really important and she was important to this so it affects everyone it like affects like, yeah. and it's all tr- Truman not quite but he's kind of there as a conduit for Harry so but it's all original characters otherwise that are in that scene that all react to yeah. it and, and, and it's the idea of, you know she was the light in the woods 
but yeah. then it, it's it's gone and it's, yeah, it's she, only the darkness is left yeah she was the one last like sort of outpost in the woods everything else is you know being corrupted because even mm. in the second season or the first season whatever it is there when you know when cooper and harry and all that are looking through the woods to like find this place yeah. and they come across her cabin first and like she's like this you know last place of refuge before they go deeper into the darkness i, I know you're gonna hate me for this but i want to like liken this to lord of the rings you know like El- elrond's place is the the last home in, 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 in before you go out into the wilds mm-hmm. is the point there it's you know it's like that one last refuge and it's this it's this nice place just on, on the edges of, of all the darkness yeah but not boring in this case shut up <laughs> <laughs> all right so we then go to an audrey charlie scene and Again, she can't leave the house. They're, they're standing at the front door, and she's not got her coat on. And the whole—I mean, the whole conversation is basically around her not putting her coat on. And Charlie keeps threatening to take his coat off if she doesn't put hers on, key, so they can key, go. Key word I found interesting. He goes, "We're standing here on the threshold." You know, I also noted down that single word. I said threshold. Yeah, because obviously, I mean, that, that's right. That I mean, people sometimes refer to that as the threshold, but I think it's an uncommon way of referring to it. Yeah, I mean, I went, I went. In any other context, I wouldn't even bat an eyelid. But given that we're having all this speculation about Audrey's position, is she in a coma? Is she in maybe even a lodge-like place? Is she in, you know, this or that? Or is she just does have some some sort of weird like new agoraphobia where she doesn't want to leave the house? Like, it's just it's interesting. And I I didn't note that down. And obviously, uh, she says to him, and you know, I never saw the way you are now. Who, who you know who you've changed into. Um, mm. So, and she says, who are you, Charlie? And I thought that was a very interesting line. Because obviously, the first thing we said when we saw Audrey with this guy, we're like, who's this asshole? Right. And, you know, so her saying that also makes a big thing. And then eventually, he does get frustrated because she just... Because every time he, like, says, let's put your coat on, let's leave, put your coat on, let's leave, she always then turns it into an argument about him being an asshole, and it stops them from moving. Right, and and also at the start of this, she's kind of forgotten that she's meant to be putting a coat on as well. Like, again, this idea that she doesn't... She can't quite do it because it's just, just she just forgets. Yeah, well, it's because as we theorized last week, it's about mentioning Billy and everything related to Billy, like results in some sort of weirdness like this. Even though with Audrey, it does feel specific and it's her tears got a problem of some kind. Because then eventually he does like, okay, right, I'm taking my coat off. That's it, <laughs> we're done. And he goes and sits down, and that's when she runs in uh, screaming and like grabs his neck and chokes him and just t- just tells him uh, how much I hate you. I hate you. Uh, I've also written in all caps attack. Just yeah, yeah. Thought that was a thought that was a tidbit you might like, uh, which takes us to the uh, the roadhouse for the final scene. Yep. And we have a band on stage who are singing. Uh, interesting, uh, just the second time around in particular, because on my second watch, I always put on the subtitles to catch any maybe little lines that I missed or things like that. Fair enough. Uh, the lyrics to the song. There was a lot of stuff in there about souls and gods and devils. Uh, and then what one line in particular was about my soul is in control. Interesting. Yeah, a lot, very, lot very just, thematically relevant. Yeah. Um. So there's like, like there's a girl sitting in one of the the booths, and she's on her own, and she's kind of like look, she's always kind of timid. She's sort of she's you know, she's sitting all kind of hunched up, shoulders are sort of tight together, and you, you, you get this, you know it's just you're yeah. sort of this timid little person. And these two, I'll call them bakers. I, I, I refer yeah. to them as bikers in my notes. Because actually, at first I was like, "Oh, is this going to be? Are they going to start like a salting horse?" Like, no, not like, not so far in front of them, but just like just sit down and like force it to sit with them and start being abusive, kind of like we've seen. Richard we've seen it already, yeah. yeah. 
Um, but instead, it's not. They just they just want the seat. I mean, it's a, it's a little bit cruel, but it's not. I, I did know that she said she's waiting for someone. She did say she was waiting for someone, and they they just basically just lift her off the seat and sit on the floor and then sit down. It's it's, it's kind of a shame. It's 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 not nice, but it's not as bad as it could have been. Oh no! Like, like, you know, like yeah. when when you see them come up, you're you're expecting the worst, and they just pick her up and move her. It's it's obviously it's it's wrong, you know, but it's yeah, it's, it's not awful. It's cruel, but it's not evil. Right. Right. So she's left sitting on the floor, and the song keeps playing, and she slowly starts to become mesmerized and sort of staring ahead, and then she starts crawling ahead. And into the dance floor, and she's like crawling between like people's legs, and I was yeah. like starting to squirm because oh your 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 fingers, oh my god, women, your your fingers going to get crushed. S- stop it! Um, and she's just crawling through the people, and then eventually, like it keeps building up, keeps building up, and the, the cuts become quicker, and yep. eventually, she screams in fear, like she's surrounded, like, she, like she's in an abyss, and she's surrounded. And I don't think she's just scared of the people because like, she's been in there herself. I think you know this has a greater meaning, and obviously it flickers. It goes black, and then the credit comes up because obviously we 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 are accustomed now to the credit starting over the band, right? And right. It just plays out from there. It cuts to black after she screams. It's like it flickers and it goes to black. Then it's the starring Kelly McLachlan, barely in this episode, but well, actually not a doppelkip as well. So to be fair, so fair enough. But yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and then after like, the first credit, then it fades up and it's the the motel again inside yeah, the lodge or the, the Dutchman or the courtyard. Uh, yeah, the courtyard of this this mall, at uh, the mall. Motel. Motel. Um, and the credits play from there. And the reason why I'm still talking about this, I'm not just saying, oh, that's us done, is because I, I, did you stay till the end? I didn't stay till the very end this time, no. For, for like one of the few times I didn't, because we were running late, I was like, I need to get back and talk about this. Did you see the shot change? No. Damn it. <laughs> oh. The one time I didn't watch to the end oh, of the credits. Oh, interesting. Well, there's two points to make then. Uh, I'll I'll say the the, the touching one first. Uh, the log lady's character gets a a dedication at the end. Now the actress already got a dedication in the first episode, yeah. at the start of the season. Uh, but the the character got one at the end of this, and I I wonder if that's because because she loved her character so much. Lynch, you know, yeah. it seems a bit weird, but I think this is the sort of thing where Lynch knowing her personally would have known that she would have liked that. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's what it is. So, you know, I'm not going to read into it too much beyond that. It's probably just a sweet thing that he wanted to do. Because, I, I agree. Because of, you know, who she was and him knowing her. Um, but the shot changes just as it's getting to the end of the credits. So it's, it's, it's the same location. It's, it's like it's turning to the other side or whatever. And there's like a an archway kind of thing. It's, like a, it's almost like it's a, a hall that's in, in, under a roof kind of thing. Uh, it's like an opening. That maybe cars drive through or something. I don't know. Um but it's also all dark and shadowy, right? And then mm-hmm. there's the rest of the motel on either side. And it's quite a distant shot. You can see the ground leading up to it as well. And right. the woman that was there before that, you know, unlocked the door yeah. is just standing in that dark sort of opening, just staring. Interesting. It's creepy as shit. Hmm. You know how we were saying, you know, maybe the the jumping man was kind of a, a gatekeeper. Maybe this is a gatekeeper. <laughs> maybe this is. You know, the idea that she unlocked the door. She she gave him permission to go in, so to speak. She's standing at the gate, literally here. It's interesting. I I feel like we say it's interesting a lot in this. I think I've said it like twenty times in the last yeah. ninety minutes. But um, I mean, obviously, like one of my thoughts was like, could that be Judy? But I thought that's really uninteresting if it's literally just the person you met like right before you went through the door. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's too easy. That's too easy and boring. Uh, but I do think Judy's someone who we've met before. Uh, even if it's like, you know how Cooper's Doogie now. Yeah. 
Is it someone else who became Judy? Interesting. Kind of that, that, that reminds me of when, when the woman was crawling in the roadhouse. Very, yes. very similar to Dougie crawling towards the, the sockets. And then screaming because the shark. Yeah. Obviously, Scream- we've talked about people yeah, kind of being sh- conduits for sh- him already. Yeah, screaming like Jenny E. Yeah. And even the way she is before, like she says she's waiting for someone, so she still speaks, but it's still very, she's, still, she's not very emotive. She's very kind of, you know. Well, you know, when they lift her onto the floor, she kind of just sits there for a good like minute or so, whatever it is. Yeah, she doesn't resist. She just kind of goes with it. Yeah. She's uh, kind of just empty. It's almost. like someone moving moving Dougie like, around and whatnot. Yeah. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Very similar. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised. With, I didn't think of that as I was watching it. The, the, the <laughs> crawling was very similar. But you're right. Yeah. It is. Oh my. Yeah. We have two weeks left. Three hours of it. One hour again next week and then a final two hours after that. Oh boy. Not enough. <sighs> it, it's kind of... I'm so... Like... Because obviously there's times where it feels kind of normal for a while, but then there'll be that, that one episode that's really balls out there because Lynch goes yeah. full Lynch. Like, I don't know what to expect from this finale in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I think next week might be more of a downbeat, comparatively. Maybe. I could see next week's kind of... I mean, it depends if he knew the last two were going to air as a double, depending if he builds up to it at the end of next week. But Yeah. Um, I'll have to wait and see. There's so much in play. There really is. And do you know what? You know, like... I think the, the acting's been phenomenal, mm. but just just on the point of Cam Clacklin, then you know, you you even said, oh, you know, starring come out, and you were like, not really, and then and then you remembered that he yeah. was like that's that's how good a job he's doing. You you forgot he was both of them. Yeah, no, this is a very fair point, uh, and even like I think like Hawk and Ed both had good little moments in this one for acting, where they Definitely. both got to emote a little bit more than they usually do. Because uh, both of them are usually very stoic, you know. Yeah. They they kind of just stand there, but they, they, you know they they both had they had their moments of softness. This and time. I want and I want to point out that Ed and Norma having happiness, it's like both of them are true to themselves. Like her giving up the franchise because she wants to be true to herself. Um, he was true to himself and was a good person all this time. And because I, I think it's a, a good point to make as well that she, like she was already given up the business before she talked to Ed about anything. Like, she was already, like, made this choice on her own to, like, be true to herself before. It wasn't like she then turned around and dumped the other guy because Ed said he was available. We assume, just just on the off chance that he was there to talk about something else and she changed her mind. You know, like, maybe she'd been thinking about it but she hadn't committed until that moment. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, I mean, that, I, I that think it's unlikely. It. That, but... that marks it. I think it's sweet that she'd already made that choice on her own and then yeah. it was like this, you know, this... This destiny that, that both of them became free on, on, the, on the same time. Yeah, but, yeah. but both in their own ways at the same time. Uh, I think is really sweet, and yeah. I won't hear anything else. <laughs> so just put those seeds down in your head, just to ruin it for you a little bit. Oh, I'll put more in your head. Um, so that has been episode fifteen of Twin Peaks. So of course, let us know what you thought of the episode in the comments below. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. Give us thoughts and theories. Uh, particularly about the jumping man and you know uh, Sarah Palmer's face being in part of that flashing image Uh, very interesting Uh, stop saying interesting do you know what it's the wrong word as well fascinating is the word I should be using because it's fascinating it's not interesting it's fascinating it is intriguing fascinating is I'd say a step above intriguing you're intrigued before you're fascinated yeah, yeah, that's fair. You're, you're I mean, curious. I'm intrigued, I'm intrigued about 
you know, the, the woman unlocking the door, but oh, I'm sure. fascinated about the jumping man. Sure. You're curious, then you're intrigued, then you're fascinated. Yeah, I'll allow it. Sounds about right. But yeah, let us know what you think of the episode, comments and theories, all that stuff. Uh, like, subscribe, get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fudge for channel updates. If you want to support the channel, head over to patreon.com slash TV. You can do that over there, but otherwise, guys, that is us. So thank you once again for watching. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla? Thank you.